Question number one, what are causes of water retention and what can you do to lose it? So water retention is actually surprisingly complicated, um, or at least it can be. So first of all, there's two main types of water retention where we have the short-term acute water retention that's often just caused by like a night of overeating where you wake up, you feel bloated and puffy, and within 24 to 48 hours, you've probably gone to the bathroom a whole lot you've, um, and you feel back to normal after that. So that would be the most normal kind, and that's usually not a huge deal. Um, however, there's also the type that's caused by something more serious. And so whether that's insulin resistance, kidney failure, uh, liver cirrhosis, or a variety of other health causes, if there's long-term chronic water retention, then you should probably stop listening to this episode and go see your doctor immediately because that's probably not a good thing. So if you're just holding on to water uh, because of a night of overeating, or you just feel a little bit bloated and puffy all the time, probably the first thread that I would pull on would be to try a lower carb diet for a few days of eating and also ensuring that you're getting enough potassium. Potassium is going to help balance out your sodium and it's also going to help to keep you going to the bathroom regularly. So one of the reasons that you want to cut out carbs just at least for a little bit is because carbs tend to hold on to water and so if you eliminate them um, it's going to cause your body to flush and it's usually one of the reasons why people see such a big whoosh when they start dieting and they start um, just eating healthier is they're going to be eating less uh, highly processed foods, less foods that are causing their body to hold on to water and so their body's going to do a big flush, they're going to lose a whole bunch of water weight. Now, as always, our goal is to have a healthy body because a healthy body is going to work to find balance and a healthy body is going to hold on to an appropriate amount of water. And so if you feel like you're holding excess water, really focus on eating minimally processed foods, focusing on meat and fruits and vegetables. That's going to really help to balance fluids and just improve your overall health. Uh, question two, how do you get back on track after falling off plan? So getting off track is a natural part of the process. And I think it's something that too often people are surprised about where they go off track a little bit and they end up just going all in on eating everything that they've said they wouldn't eat, everything that's off plan, they don't work out. And they just, they really push their chips all in on not being on plan. So the first thing that you need to do is to anticipate that you're going to get off track eventually. And the quicker you can get back on track and the less time you can spend off track, the more results you're going to see. Now, there are a few different strategies to use, but probably my favorite is to practice 24 hours of extreme discipline. So if you recognize that you're not doing the things that you want to, commit to 24 hours of discipline. 24 hours, it's not a long-term commitment, but it's often enough to jumpstart things and to get you back on track. If you can spend just one day saying no to some of your desires and your instincts, you'll often find that you feel good. You feel good about your choices. You feel good that you resisted temptation. And the next day, you're likely going to want to keep going with that momentum. Now, if that plan doesn't work for you and it just feels like you continue to fall off track every time you try to be extra disciplined, then my suggestion would be just Commit to one healthy action a day until you're back to where you want to be. So don't worry about working out and eating all the protein and all the fruits and vegetables. Pick one of those things and just get back to doing that. My suggestion would be get back to working out because what I've 
found with people is that people who tend to work out, they tend to eat a little bit better um, just because they don't want to waste their workout. They've done the hard work of, of moving weight, of moving their body. It feels good to move your body. You tend to want to eat a little bit better uh, once you've done that. So if you don't want to or you feel like you can't commit to just one day of extreme discipline, then try just going back little by little um, until you get back on track. Question number three, how often should I change up workouts and diet? So when it comes to workouts, there's many different approaches and you're really gonna have to figure out what works best for you. So for some people, they find that when they make changes, it throws them off, that they are really good at just getting in a groove and they just wanna stick with doing what they're doing. And that's a totally valid option for many, many people, that if you find a way that you like to eat that allows you to uh, feel good, allows you to perform well and to do the things that you need to do, then there's no, there's nothing that says you have to change. There's nothing that says that you have to try something new or that you have to make adjustments to your calories. Same thing with workouts, that if you just find a workout that works for you, then just do it. Because sometimes people will be in a real groove, they'll try to make a switch and it just throws them way off and it sets them way back. And so what I'd rather see someone do is continually and repeatedly do something that's maybe even less than optimal then try to switch things up and have it throw them way off. Now, if you're someone who maybe is okay with having those changes, uh, if we look at workouts first, again, there's there's multiple approaches to it. One would be to say that you wanna switch every three to four weeks, whether that is uh, some of the exercises you're doing, some of the rep ranges or the rest times that you're using, and you wanna switch before it stops working. And the idea behind it is that you will switch things up before you hit a plateau, before things stop progressing, you will introduce a new stimulus to your body. And so your body should in theory, continue to progress and make changes. Another approach is to go every four to six weeks where it's a little bit longer maybe, and you kind of squeeze all you can out of a phase. So you might stick with low reps and long rest times and heavy weights for four to six weeks. And then once that stops working completely, then you switch it up. You maybe change the exercises or you change your reps or just some variable gets changed in your routine. Ultimately, again, it's what works best for you and what's going to allow you to continue to be consistent with working out. As far as diet goes, if someone were wanting to change their diet, I would recommend to use your current calories or your current uh, nutrition plan until it stops working. So if you're going to be cutting calories and let's say that your uh, baseline calories is 2000, so you go down to 1800, I would continue at 1800 until your body stops losing weight. And once it settles out there, then drop it another 150 to 200 calories and so on and so forth. Um, and same with going up is to uh, eat in a slight surplus and then just keep that and eat that way until your body stops gaining weight and then you can add a little bit more as necessary. Uh, next question, what's the best rep range to use? So a rep range is just how many times are you going to lift the weight up and down. So if you were doing a bench press and you lifted the weight up and down five times, that's five reps or repetitions. 
Now the rep ranges are really going to depend on your goals. So typically we'd say that the lower the reps, the, the less times you're lifting, that's going to be more strength focused simply because you can use a greater, uh, a greater amount of weight that you would lift for one rep versus that you lift for 10 reps. And so typically if, if pure strength is your goal, you're going to be looking between like one to five reps. And then uh, from there, you get into sort of what people would call the muscle building phase, even though every every single um, range is going to build muscle, some will just do it better than others. And so kind of between five and uh, 10 or 12 is sort of that, that hybrid range of muscle building and strength. And then as you get higher above that, you get more into muscular endurance. And so a big part of which rep range you use is what are your goals? What do you want to be able to do? And so if you just want to be strong, then doing 50 push-ups or 100 push-ups is probably not the best use of your time because you've gone beyond a strength rep range. Your strength is, is more so how much can you move, how much force can you generate a couple of times. Well, to do 100 push-ups, you are now in an endurance range there. That's how long can your muscles continue to repeat the movement. And so typically I would say for, again, for most people going beyond 20 reps or going below three is probably just unnecessary. And most people should probably spend most of their time in kind of that six to 10, maybe up to 15 rep range. Now, one of the reasons I don't love super high reps is because I think it's pretty well established that in order to build muscle and to build strength, you need to get close to muscular failure. So getting close to the point where you can't lift the weight with good form anymore. Now, if you're doing, let's say, 100 reps of the bench press, your body is spending the first 85% of that set so far away from failure that it's just not really doing a whole lot to stimulate muscle growth. And so you'd be much better off dropping that from 100 reps down to 10. You could probably triple or quadruple the weight that you're using, maybe even more, and then really focus on getting 10 good repetitions out. Not only will it save you a whole lot of time, but it will probably bring you closer to your goal unless you have a reason that you need to uh, lift your hands away from your chest 100 times. If you need that endurance, then obviously you train for it. But if not, then then probably spending most of your time using a weight that you can lift between 6 to 10, maybe up to 15 times is probably going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Now, I also mentioned no less than three. There is a time and a place for singles and doubles. But I think, for, again, for most people, the risk of injury when you start to lift a load that's meaningful for one or two or even three reps is just not worth it for for most people there will be some people who who want to push it and that's great um, but again for most people it's probably just not worth hurting yourself over um, to perform that sort of an exercise it's probably going to end up taking away from the things that actually matter like your job so focusing mostly on that six to 10 rep range will probably get you the most results in the smallest amount of time possible. And final question, any suggestions for ADHD? Now, first of all, remember I'm not a doctor, so I don't diagnose, I don't um, treat, I don't do any of that stuff. So how I'll answer this is if I had ADHD or if 
If one of my children had ADHD, how would I handle that? And so this is just for me personally. Um, it has nothing to do with how you would handle your situation because we are all individuals. And so I think you need to do what's right for you and for your family. And um, But this is just what I would do in this case to answer this question. So the first thing I would do is I would, I would get off of any sort of technology, just things that are uh, rapidly changing. I think a lot of ADHD is just our brain is so used to, if you look at, the, at kids shows these days, everything's just so fast and flashy and um, our brains are trained from a very young age to just expect the next thing to come. And when it doesn't, um, I think that's sometimes when we see some of these ADHD type things come out. Even when we look at adults and our scrolling habits, we have 20, 30, five seconds to just be scrolling through things. And our brain is just so used to being just hyper stimulated that I think if we cut out technology and technology use and we just slowed ourselves down, we read books, we went outside, we just did things that were less uh, hyper stimulating, I think we'd see some ADHD go down. Um, the other thing would be to cut out sugar and processed foods. I think that especially sugar, added sugar, I would I would cut that out completely. And then again, processed foods, just they're, they're not giving your body what it needs to function properly. And so I think when we look at lots of people's diets, lots of people's diets are made up of highly processed foods. It's I think I heard the other day it was between 60 and 70% of the average American's diet is highly processed food. Well, that's a lot of chemicals and other things that, that your body just doesn't recognize. And while they might not be um, dangerous in most circumstances, there's probably bodies, maybe even like little bodies with children, that those foods are just having a greater effect on. So um, cutting out technology and cutting out highly processed foods would be the probably the first two things that I would do in um, if myself or one of my children had ADHD. 